up to Judges chapter 11. That's where we'll spend most of our time together this morning. Judges, the 11th chapter. So great to see all of you out today. Have a really great crowd, several guests who are here with us. We really appreciate you all being here. You all are our honored guests. Judges chapter 11. In Judges chapter 11, we are introduced to Jephthah, the forsaken warrior. In Judges chapter 11, in verse number 1, the Bible describes Jephthah as a mighty warrior. Jephthah is a mighty warrior because all of his life he has had to fight. His mother, the one person in this world who should have been most dear to him, most familiar with him, was a professional outcast. His father, the one person in this world who should have set a great example for him, the one person in this world who Jephthah should have been able to look up to, was unfaithful to his spouse. His brothers, those in this world who should have been his best friends, his greatest companions, despised and rejected him. The elders of the city hated him. Jephthah was driven out of the city. He had no friends, no family, no support, and no love. And so this man Jephthah surrounds himself with worthless fellows. The Bible says in Judges chapter 11 and verse number 3, Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And worthless fellows collected around Jephthah and went out with him. This was his life. This was his lot. This was the horrible, awful circumstances of Jephthah, the forsaken warrior. But yet, several centuries later, as the Hebrew writer, is describing the exceptional character of faithful men and women of long ago. He says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32, time would fail him. Time would fail the Hebrew writer to tell of Barak, Samson, Gideon, and of Jephthah. Despite his horrible, awful circumstances, Despite his lot in life, despite who he was, despite being forsaken, Jephthah has gone down in history as a tremendous man of faith. Jephthah is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 along with men and women who through faith conquered kingdoms, who through faith obtained justice, who through faith obtained promises. Jephthah is mentioned alongside of men and women who conquered kingdoms, who stopped the mouths of lions, who enforced justice, who became strong in battle, who became strong out of weaknesses. Ladies and gentlemen, Jephthah, despite his lot in life, is known as a man of whom this world was not worthy. Jephthah, the forsaken warrior. And so this morning, we ask ourselves the question, 
How in the world was a man who came from such humble, miserable, awful, shameful beginnings able to live a life of such faith? How? Listen to me very clearly. Jephthah was able to live such an exceptional life because he did not use his circumstances. He did not use his baggage. He did not use his past as an excuse for spiritual weakness, but he used it as an anchor for spiritual strength. He didn't use the fact that he had no mother. He didn't use the fact that he had no father. He had no brothers. He had no sisters. He had no one who loved him. He did not use that as an excuse for spiritual weakness and stagnation. But yet, ladies and gentlemen, he used it as an anchor for spiritual strength. Despite his lot in life, Jephthah was a man was willing to fight. He was willing to fight. After the Bible describes his humble beginnings, the text says in Judges chapter 11 and verse number 4, Judges chapter 11 and verse 4, after a time, the Ammonites made war against Israel. And when the Ammonites made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to bring Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, Come and be our leader, that we may fight against the Ammonites. Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Did you not hate me and drive me out of my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? Jephthah is a man who's been despised and rejected. Jephthah is a man who's been hated. Jephthah is a man who's been driven out of his city, and he surrounded himself with worthless fellows. Time elapses. The Israelites are about to be attacked. The elders of Gilead come to Jephthah. Hey, hey, we know that you're a strong warrior. We know that you're a mighty warrior. Help us. Save us, Jephthah. We need your help. Jephthah says, are you kidding me? Are you seriously asking for my help? You've hated me. You've despised me. You've run me out of the city. And now when you're in distress, you're asking for my help. Are you out of your mind? Are you serious? They say, yes, Jephthah. Yes, we're serious. If you help us, if you lead us, we'll make you commander in chief of Israel. Jephthah says, really? Really? If, if I help you, if I lead you, if I fight for you, you'll make me, you'll make me head over Israel. Yes, yes, we promise. We'll make an oath before the Lord today. If we don't do as we have said, we'll be accountable to God. Jephthah says, okay, okay. I will fight for you. Despite, despite his past, despite what these men have done to him, he was willing to fight for them. And so in Judges chapter 11, verses 12 through 27, Jephthah sends messengers to the king of Ammon. And he asked the king of Ammon, why are you so eager to fight us? Why do you want to attack us? Why do you want to go to war against us? King of Ammon says, I want to fight you because you have taken my land. Jephthah says, we haven't taken your land. We haven't done anything wrong. In fact, this entire time, all throughout history, we have tried to avoid conflict. We have tried to do what was good and right to all of the surrounding nations in front of us. But we were attacked 
by you, the Lord delivered us from your hands and the Lord gave us this land. And so you have no right to declare war against us. But as Judges chapter 11 and verse number 28 states, the king of the Ammonites did not listen to the words of Jephthah that he sent to him. Jephthah tries to make peace with the king of Ammon, but the king of Ammon was not willing to make peace. The king of Ammon was ready to fight the Israelites, and so Jephthah stepped up to the plate, and he fought for his people, and he fought for the Lord, despite his lot in life, despite what these people had done to him, Jephthah was willing to fight. But not only that, despite his lot in life, Jephthah continued to remain faithful and devoted to the Lord. Despite his lot in life, Jephthah continued to trust in God. As the story continues in Judges chapter 11, before Jephthah and his men go into battle, Jephthah has a conversation with the Lord. He has just a little talk with God. The text says in Judges chapter 11 and verse number 29, Then the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passed on to Mizpah of Gilead, and from Mizpah of Gilead he passed on to the Ammonites. Verse 30, And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. And said, if you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's. And I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Before Jephthah even goes into battle, he has a talk with God. Jephthah trusted in God. Jephthah asked the Lord for his deliverance. Jephthah recognized that he was not going to be able to stand against the Ammonites without the help and without the strength of God. And it is remarkable that Jephthah even knew who the Lord was because Jephthah was a man who lived and was raised in a generation full of people who did not know the Lord. It is remarkable that Jephthah even knew to turn to God. It is remarkable that Jephthah even knew what a burnt offering was because he was living in a generation full of people who did what was right in their own eyes. It is also very, very remarkable that Jephthah even knew about God because he had a mother who was a professional outcast. He had a father who was faithless to his wife. He had brothers who despised and rejected him. The elders of the city hated him. He was driven out of his town. He surrounded himself with worthless fellows. He had a horrible lot in life, but yet he knew who the Lord was. He continued to trust in the Lord despite despite his circumstances. But not only that, not only was Jephthah willing to fight for his people, not only did he continue to trust in the Lord, but Jephthah was a man who was willing to make sacrifices to God. In this story, Jephthah says, Lord, Lord, if you deliver me and my men from the hand of the Ammonites, I will give you the first thing that comes out of my house when I return home. 
I will give you whatever it is. Whatever it is that comes from the doors of my house will be yours. And so God delivers Jephthah and his men from the hand of the Ammonites. Jephthah and his men are making their way back to the home of Jephthah. And the text says in Judges chapter 11 and verse number 34, Then Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with tambourines and with dances. She was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what is going through his mind in this moment? Can you imagine the horror and the grief that is going through the mind of Jephthah in this moment? He has made a vow to God. Lord, if you deliver me and my men from the hand of the Ammonites, I'll give you the first thing that comes out of the doors of my house. He gets home, and the first thing that comes out of the doors of his house is his only daughter. So the text says in Judges chapter 11, verse 35, As soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low, and you have become the cause of great trouble to me. For I have opened my mouth to the Lord, and I cannot take back my vow. Jephthah was a man who was willing to give it all up for God. He was a man, despite his lot in life, who was willing to make sacrifices to the king of kings. Despite what he wanted to do. Some say Jephthah offered his daughter as a burnt offering to the Lord. Others say that Jephthah dedicated his daughter to the Lord to live a life of celibacy the rest of her life. I tend to agree with the latter because All throughout the Old Testament, we read of how it was an abomination for Israelites to offer human sacrifices and for God to expect or accept a human sacrifice from Jephthah would be out of his character. I also believe that the Lord did not accept a human sacrifice from Jephthah because the latter half of Judges chapter 11 places a tremendous amount of emphasis on his daughter's virginity. The text says in Judges chapter 11 and verse number 37, So his daughter said to her father, Let this thing be done for me. Leave me alone two months that I may go up and down on the mountains and weep for my virginity, I and my companions. So he said, Go. Then he sent her away for two months, and she departed, she and her companions, and wept for her virginity on the mountains. If Jephthah actually offered his daughter as a burnt offering to the Lord, why in the world would Jephthah's daughter and her friends weep for two whole months specifically for her virginity? It would make more sense that they would weep for her life. And so, for this reason... I believe that Jephthah offered his daughter to the Lord and dedicated her to a life of celibacy. But whatever the case may be, whether he offered her as a burnt offering to the Lord or whether he dedicated her to the Lord for a life of celibacy, the point remains 
Jephthah made a tremendous sacrifice because whether his daughter died or whether she was dedicated to the Lord as a virgin for the rest of her life, Jephthah's lineage would be cut off forever. And that was something that no man wanted. It was a tremendous sacrifice that he was willing to make for the Lord and for his people, despite, despite his lot in life. But not only that, fourth and finally, despite his lot in life, Jephthah was a man who was able to persevere. He was able to persevere. The Bible says in Judges chapter 12 and verse number 7, Judges chapter 12 and verse number 7, Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried in his city in Gilead. After this tremendous sacrifice that he makes in Judges chapter 11, after he has to give his daughter to the Lord, however that may have looked, after he has to make this tremendous sacrifice on top of his horrible, miserable, awful, shameful lot in life, on top of having no mother, on top of having no father, no brothers, no one who cared about him, after all of these things happened to Jephthah, he continues to fight for the Lord for six whole years until the day that he died. It would have been very easy for Jephthah after he has to sacrifice his daughter to say to God, Lord, I'm done. I've done all that I can do for you. I mean, I mean, I had to give my daughter to you. I'm, I'm not going to have grandchildren. I'm not going to have great grandchildren. My line is cut off forever. I'm done. It would have been very, very easy for him to say that to the Lord and quit on the Lord and quit on God's people. But ladies and gentlemen, he continued to judge Israel for six whole years, and he judged Israel. He fought for the Lord. He fought for his people. He persevered until the day that he died, despite, despite his lot in life. Jephthah, the forsaken warrior, Jephthah was a man who had to fight his whole life. Jephthah wasn't dealt the best hand. But he was willing to fight for the Lord. He continued to trust in the Lord. He was willing to sacrifice for the Lord. And he continued to remain faithful to the Lord and faithful to God's people until the day that he Today is February the 17th, 2019. And life, just as it was not for Jephthah several centuries ago, still ain't fair for us today. Life ain't fair. And excuse my deliberate of grammar, but I'm trying to stress the point. Life is not fair. None of us here this morning grew up in Mayberry. None of us here this morning were, were dealt the perfect hand. None of us here this morning have the perfect life. All of us have baggage. All of us have shortcomings. 
All of us have done things that we are not proud of. None of us have lived a perfect life. None of us have come from the perfect circumstances. But despite our lot, despite where we came from, God does not expect us to use our baggage. He does not expect us to use our past. He does not expect us to use our horrible, awful circumstances or our miserable lots in life as an excuse for spiritual weakness, but as an anchor for spiritual strength. That is what God expects from His people. And so this morning we ask ourselves, how? How can I, despite my past, live a life that is faithful to God? We look to the example of Jephthah. Just like Jephthah, every last one of us must be willing to stand up and to fight for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are at war. We're at war. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul reminds us that we do not wrestle, we do not struggle, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but there is an even greater battle that is going on right before our very eyes in a spiritual realm. We wrestle, we fight, we struggle against rulers, against authorities, against principalities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And these rulers are after your family, these authorities are after your friends, these cosmic powers over the present darkness are after your brothers and sisters in Christ. All of these spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places are after this world. And Satan wants to use your weaknesses, your past, your mistakes, your failures, your baggage, your lot in life as a means to accomplish his will. Don't let him. Don't let him. We must stand up and fight. Christians, God's people, have no excuse to ever, to ever sit back and do nothing because of where they have come from in life or what has happened to them in life. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, a man who describes himself as one who is the chief of sinners, said he was going to forget about what lied behind him and he was reaching forward to what lied ahead. He was going to press on to the goal. That's what we have to do. We can't allow our past to keep us from being faithful, devoted disciples and servants of God. We cannot stop because Satan doesn't stop. Satan doesn't quit. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, the apostle Peter tells us that Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion. He is stalking us. He is preying on us, seeking to devour us, seeking to destroy us. And so we have to stand up and fight. That's what we have to do if we want to be faithful servants of God. But not only that, we must continue to trust in God. Despite our lot in life, despite what has happened to us, despite what is happening to us, or despite what will happen to us, we have to continue to trust in God. Because without God, we can't do a single thing. Without God, we can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it is so sad and it is so unfortunate 
that so often in life when bad things happen to us, when we lose friends, when we lose family members, when our health fails, when, when our lot seems to be awful, when it seems as if the whole world is against us, so often in life in these circumstances, we want to quit on God. We want to just throw in the towel, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. I've done all that you've asked me to do. I, I, I'm tired. I give up on you. That's our attitude. May we, ladies and gentlemen, may we learn from the wisdom of Job. Job tells his wife in Job chapter 2 and verse 10, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? You speak as one of the foolish women would speak. It's foolishness. It's foolishness to give up on God and lose faith in God when bad things happen to us. We must continue to trust in the giver of all things good. We have to. Despite our lot in life, we must continue to trust in God. For to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? If we give up on God, if we say, forget you, Lord, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to be a Christian anymore. I don't want to serve you. I don't want to trust you. I don't want to obey you. If that is our attitude, to whom shall we go? Where are you going to go? Where are you going to turn to? Where are you going to turn to? It is Christ who is the solid rock on which all of us must stand. All other ground is sinking sand. In Habakkuk chapter 3, as the prophet Habakkuk is prophesying to a nation that is in shambles, he says, though the fig tree may not blossom, Though there may be no fruit on the vines, though the olive may not produce, though the field may not yield any food, though the, the herds be cut off from the flock, I, I will rejoice in the Lord. The Lord, the God, is my strength. I will trust in Him. He makes my feet like deer's feet. He lifts me up on the high places. Despite what is going on in life, I will continue to trust in God. That has to be our attitude. Otherwise, we will not, we will not be among the faithful on the last day. We must continue to trust in God. We must be ready to sacrifice to the Lord. Jephthah was willing to give it all up for God we must be willing to give it all up for God because God has given a whole lot for us. He sent His Son from the glories of heaven to come to this earth to become a man of sorrows, a man who is acquainted and very, very familiar with grief, a man who was despised and rejected by men, a man who had no form or comeliness that we should be attracted to Him, a man who was struck, a man who was beaten, a man who was slapped, a man who was spit on, a man who was blindfolded and mocked and nailed to a cross, bloody, beaten, and bare in front of His own mother. God sent His Son to this earth to do that for us, and so, and so, we should be willing to give it all up for Him. In Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1, the Apostle Paul says that we must give our lives as a living sacrifice to the Lord, which is holy and acceptable to God. And he says that is our reasonable service. That's the least that we can do because He has done so much. We must be willing to take up our crosses, our death instruments daily, every single day, and follow him 
trust him, serve him, obey him, and live for him. Despite, despite our lot in life, despite what may or may not have happened to us that we think is fair. Because, ladies and gentlemen, life ain't fair. But who cares? God has done so much for us, and so we should be willing to do so much for him. We should be willing to give it all up for him, ready to sacrifice. But not only that, fourth and finally, we must be willing to do this every single day. We have to do it every single day. Jephthah was willing to fight for the Lord every single day. He trusted in the Lord every single day. He was willing to make sacrifices for the Lord every single day. And he was able to persevere for six whole years, judging Israel until the day that he died. And we must do the same. We must fight for the Lord. We must trust in the Lord. We must sacrifice for the Lord and live for the Lord every single day. Every day. When we get up in the morning, when we wake up every single day, we must fasten on that breastplate of righteousness, fasten on that belt of truth, step into those shoes of the gospel of peace with the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit in the other hand, with the helmet of salvation strapped to our heads and fight for the Lord every single day until the last day when the Lord descends from heaven with a cry of command and the archangel shouts and the trumpet sounds, we will be able to look the Lord in his beautiful face and say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. That must be the case for every last one. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and what you have done for us. Thank you so much for sending Jesus to this earth to die for us. We pray that we will be people who live our lives in a way that shows appreciation and admiration for that great sacrifice and fight for you, trust in you, sacrifice for you, and live for you until the day that we die. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, this is the perfect opportunity to become one. You do that by hearing the word, believing in the word, confessing the name of Jesus, and having your sins completely washed away in baptism. If you've done that before, but you've fallen away and you would like to make things right this morning, I ask that you please come to the front while we stand and sing the song of invitation.